We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? Hadn't it been so good already? Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. We've enjoyed it so much, and you want to be at the park for sure at Fuquay tonight for more of it. Amen. If you open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, we get to continue our dream series today. Um, it's been on my heart. It's been, I'm very excited to be able to share with you what I have today. Um, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. It's a two-way deal, isn't it? We have to have some stuff that's stirring inside of us, right? And then at the same time, we have to be willing to let the Lord guide us. And it's very important. But he does have plans, and as we talk about today, keep on dreaming. God has placed something inside of every one of us, not only for the overarching part of our life, but little dreams that he's placed that fit into that big dream. Amen? All right, you guys help me out now. Come on now. All right, amen? Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, our heart is bowed to you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we're excited to be in your presence. Continue to speak to us and change us in a mighty way. And everyone says, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for whatever device you're stringing by. We appreciate you being a part of this. We want to let you know that we love you and you're very, very important to us. Did you wave at your neighbor as you sit down? Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. Say, I'm so glad if you're on the couch or wherever. Yeah, be nice to your spouse. That's always a good thing. Here in Proverbs, though, we get a little bit of wisdom that the heart of a man plans his way. That it's okay to dream. It's okay to have something inside of us that makes it, makes us, it's just hard to contain. You know what I mean? Where God has been speaking to us and showing us and guiding us and directing us. But at the same time, I have to be willing to say, God, what you want is what I want. I know what I feel like I've established in my life. But if we need to tear that down and rebuild some structures, then we're okay with that. But dreams always start differently than we think. Doing a little bit of research, and everybody's familiar with Heinz 57 ketchup, right? I thought of the old commercial, Heinz 57 steak sauce. Let's eat. You guys remember that? Yeah. Some of you guys are not as old as I am. The youth was like, no, I've never heard of that before. Well, it was a great commercial. It made you want to go out and buy steak sauce, right? But Heinz was actually, he's actually the son of a German immigrant. He was born in the, in the 1800s, and he turned what we know now into Heinz 57 into a billion-dollar empire. But it all began with his grandmother in a kitchen one day. He was 25 years old, and he was watching his grandmother, his German grandmother, do these recipes, and he thought, man, I want to jump in and be a part of this. So his first entrepreneurial effort was horseradish, and that didn't go very well at all. He had this idea of putting it in a clear glass jar, that way people could see the contents that were pure, something that was very new to the time, and it was interesting as you read more about Henry Heinz, because they said he's kind of like a genius, really. He really was an was a advertising genius. He knew how to do things. Well, that one was a complete flop. Nobody bought it, didn't want to be any part of it, but then he came up with this thing that we call cat soup, or ketchup. And then he thought, I've got to figure out a way to market this deal. And I believe his lucky number was five and his wife's lucky number was seven. That's how he came up with Heinz 57. He tried 52, didn't really like it. He didn't have as catchy of a tone. 59, no, no, that's not it. But when he came to Heinz 57, baby, he knew he had had it. And I was thinking back as I was reading that and thinking about how dreams start out small, Amen. In the kitchen with his grandmother as he began to watch the recipe. 
But he had a dream in his heart, and he followed it. And, of course, his uh, grandchildren 15 times um, behind him will never have to worry about money in their empire. And God speaks to us in the same way. And last week we talked about these dreams. We talked about how dreams can be dreams of opportunity. God will speak to us and show us. Maybe we're sleeping and laying our head down at night and he'll birth something inside of us. But in the very same light, they could be dreams of warning. He's telling us to pull back and maybe getting our life straight and doing some things differently. But whatever they are, it's okay if it's birthed by God. And I was thinking this morning, well, how do I know that a dream is being birthed by God? I think it's very simple. If the dream's only about me, God didn't give me that dream. <laughs> he probably didn't give you that dream. Now, maybe part of the dream is, is from God. <laughs> but we know some uh, well-known people who started the religion who had part of Jesus. We don't need part of Christ. We need all of Christ. Amen. And whenever we dream, that's what we want, Christ. We want all of your dream that you have for us. And there's some things that we can do and we can make up our mind so that as we walk in these dreams, God can begin to use us. Psalms 119, 147, verse 149 says this, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. And the psalmist begins to reveal some things to us. That there's times in our life as we walk through the dream, as we walk through what God has called us to, what he's building up inside of us, there will be different seasons in our life. And in those seasons, it will become tough. In those time frames, it could become tough. But I really, really love what David Crowder says in his song, Good God Almighty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I even had older people rocking out, right? I don't know if that's legal in church, but I love what he says in his song because he reminds us of seasons in our life. We're going to love him in the morning, love him in the noontime, and love him in the evening. We're going to praise him in the morning, praise him in the noontime, and praise him in the evening. It's incredibly important that we realize this as our dreams come forth. Because we know that scripture tells us that morning can endure for a night. And when we're in our dream that we feel like God has put upon our heart, or maybe that dream of warning, and we're mourning and we're saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? I thought you birthed this. I'm trying to go forward. It's incredibly important that we remember that God is sovereign. Amen? God is sovereign. That's good God Almighty that his goodness reigns. And I will praise him in the weeping. I will praise him in the morning. Because when I do that, it doesn't matter this season. I will lift my hands. Amen? And then I go on and I begin to realize the good times. See, see, weeping endures for the night, but joy, oh, come on, help me, joy. Oh, we know that joy comes in the morning, but it's in that joy sometimes that we can even find an easier way to stray, can't we? When things are good, going good, you know, my health is where it's supposed to be, I'm getting some bills paid, you know, my kids are sane, this is good, this is good, got some chuckles out of that one, you know, things are normal. It's easy to forget about God's goodness because the goodness becomes God instead of the goodness is from God. 
And then we chase the goodness, and we can't chase goodness. It's Jesus Christ that we chase. So in the goodness, I will praise him. In the goodness, I will love him. In the goodness, I will remember that he is good, that he is mighty, and that he is sovereign. Amen? Good God Almighty. And then we get to that wonderful last part there. I'll praise him in the new time. Oh, that's the hard part about your dream. You guys ever had the two o'clock feeling? Oh, yes. I need the Dr. Pepper. For me, I need a cup of coffee, maybe six. You know what I'm talking about. For some of you guys are way more disciplined than me. You're like, no, man, I just need to jog around the block. You know, I need to get down and do some push-ups. You know, not me. Not me. A cup of coffee is a way shorter distance from my desk to the coffee pot. Right? Some of you guys, the refrigerator and the Dr. Pepper. But we have that noontime feeling. That two o'clock feeling, if you're in college, you know it as your sophomore and junior year. When there is no light at the end of the tunnel. All it seems like you're doing is forking over money and you're not going to get out and get a degree so you can get your job. For the entrepreneur, this is usually your second or third year. When it doesn't seem like the money is lining up. It doesn't seem like the, line, uh, the, the, the numbers are lining up. But you know that God has birthed it into your heart. God has sent you on a mission. And you have that 2 o'clock feeling. And that 2 o'clock feeling is dangerous because it is boredom sometimes. It is monotonous. It's over and over and over. But if we do what we know to do amen and what do we know to do well we go back to i believe what brother crowder said here i'm going to praise him in the noontime as well i'm going to remember of his goodness i know that right now it seems like this is going to be forever and the money is not coming in the health is not coming back my marriage is not being restored it seems like all i'm doing is planting good seed and good seed but yet i'm reaping the bad seed god where are you no we cannot get stuck in that moment we remember the goodness of god amen we remember that he's mighty and that he's sovereign and that he is god in the morning he is god in the evening and he is god at the noontime amen 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 I'm so glad y'all moved y'all stuff. I would have kicked it over by now. <laughs> uh, and we, I try not to get that excited. But when you talk about the goodness of God, now you got to remember that for your dream. And we'll get to why here in a second, but man, these dreams are precious. Their dreams are precious that God is seated in our heart. It's like that baby that you hold and, and you realize there's a legacy. It's precious. Sometimes in the midst of that dream, ah, uh, there's unrest and questions. And when we have that unrest and we have those questions, or maybe we're caught in that moment of joy, there's nothing wrong with being on the mountain, is there? Oh, no, no. There's nothing wrong with being victorious and seeing that and having some hope and having some answers. That's good. But no matter where we're at, we remember the goodness of God. But then I've got to think about Jesus Christ, and I've got to remind myself who Jesus Christ is in my life. I have to remind myself that I look at the dream and don't tell God about the dream. I don't tell Jesus about the dream. He's the one that birthed it in my life. I look at the dream or what God is trying to take me for, take me through, and I remind the dream about my Jesus. I love the way that Ann Wilson puts it in her song, My Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. You got to stop the song right there. You could rock out, couldn't you? 
Yeah, I'm preaching that song while I'm going down the road sometimes. And I get to that place where I remember that I've got to remind myself about my Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done in my life. Let me tell you about where I was and where I am and where I'm going. Amen. we got to remind ourselves about our Jesus. Isaiah puts it like this. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness. Oh, then we read 2 Corinthians and Paul is reaching out to his friends Chapter 5, verse 17, and we know it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, let me tell you about Jesus. Do you have a minute? Because not only did he change me, not only has he spared my family, not only has he been kind, but he can do that to you, amen? And sometimes when we're in the midst of our dream and we don't feel like it's turning out like we think it should, the best thing that we can do is begin to praise the name of Jesus, begin to remind our friends and our neighbor, maybe other people who are struggling like we are. Listen, we have the hand of Jesus Christ. He's walking with us. And it encourages you, inspires you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Paul is so serious as he writes to the Philippians. He goes, listen, all this stuff that I had before Christ, I considered all lost. My education, the status that he had. Chapter 8, he goes on and he says, What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, whenever we take that step back and we join in with Miss Wilson and say, Let me tell you about my Jesus. What we produce in our spirit is that I know him. See, see he's, he's not a statue that I bought at a garage sale that I passed down to other people. He's not just mythology or an ideal. But he's a real person that really lived, that really gave his life for us. Yeah. And I remind myself, and I remind who I'm talking to, that this is not a game. This dream that God has birthed in your heart, this passion that you have conceived in your life is very, very real. Because God has taken you to a place. Yeah. Yeah. He's taken you to a place. And it's very real. And it's very true. But the cost is i got to consider everything else that's not a part of that. Rubbish. Garbage. Trash. Because there's one thing that I've got to know, and that's Jesus Christ. Because it's a relationship. You might be saying, Matt, I don't know about that. Well, let me borrow the words one more time. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And as Christians in our life, we look down the barrel, so to speak. We look down at our dreams that God has given us. Even if it's a dream of warning, because we still have to fight for those, we can't negate those and act like they're not real. But sometimes as Christians, we forget the pattern. That it was Christ, that it was the goodness of God that came into our life. It was that witness that the Holy Spirit sends inside of me that causes me to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. And even after salvation, when I walk the walk, I go back to that. And I quote it over and over and over again. Because I remember that Christ did something for me. Amen? But we have to remember who gave us the dream. I love that song. As I continue here, there's a... In Mark chapter 4, verse 37 and 41, I won't read it all here. But it's a very familiar story for some. If it's not, you're going to get to know it today. So welcome to the party. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. In verse 38, it says, But he, when he was on the stern asleep on a cushion, they awoke, talking about the disciples, and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? When we're caught in the middle of our dream and we're fighting for our lives, where we're remembering the goodness of God, we're remembering who Christ is in our life. 
we can feel like those disciples on the ship. They, they launched out into the sea and the, the, the storm began and it was so scary to them that the waves were coming in the boat and they were worried about sinking and Christ wasn't worried about it because he holds all things in his hands. He's asleep on the cushion in the middle of the storm. And it, 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 they didn't do anything wrong by going to Christ, amen? It was the attitude when they went to Christ as if he didn't care. As if he's not the one that told them to get in the boat and launch out. Some of the stuff that Christ has told you to launch out in, he hadn't forgot about you. Yeah, I know that there's a storm, and I know that you may feel like he's sleeping, but trust me, he is still in control. And they go to the cushion, and they wake him up and say, Christ, have you forgot about us? It's not so much that they went to him. See, this is a very good thing. I don't want to concentrate on what they did wrong. They went in a wrong attitude, but the thing that they did right is they went to him and woke him up. I know that you're not feeling probably like you need to be feeling. Maybe your attitude is not where it is. But don't go to something else. Go to Jesus. And this is the reason why. Because even if Christ reprimands you and causes you to get your attitude in shape or your lifestyle or whatever, that's better than a busted dream. Knowing that I can go to Jesus in an imperfect manner is better than living in a busted dream and thinking that I'm perfect. And these disciples, although through their imperfection, through, through their lack of faith, through their doubt or whatever you want to call I don't know. I wasn't there. If water's coming in the boat, I'm shaking some people up too. <laughs> You know? But it's very interesting in this story that his disciples go to Jesus, and that's the first person that they go to. Whenever we read about Jonah, they throw everything else in the ship overboard instead of going to Jonah, which had the Spirit of God on his life. And I think what we learn is we look to the wrong things. Maybe that's pride that causes us to do that. Maybe that's brokenness or bitterness or unforgiveness or something that resonates in our heart. That's the reason why, as Paul says, I counted all loss and all rubbish. All that stuff that happened to me before, the good stuff and the bad, I've got to throw that out of my life. And I seek Christ for everything he's worth. And then whenever I do that and the storm is raging and my dream doesn't feel like it's going to happen, I go to that cushion, I go to that spot, and I say, Jesus, I'm here again. One more time, speak to me. Do open a door for me, God. I've got to have your miracle-working power in my life. And that's okay, because I would rather go to Jesus and be reprimanded than try to do it on my own. I was thinking of this, if you're unsaved... It's better to go to Jesus and learn your faults and your failures than then to be a perfect individual in hell. You've got to submit your life and submit yourself, and that's okay. You've got some things that hasn't been working out, some things that you didn't understand, or have all been there. But we go back to what Mr. Crowder and Ms. Wilson said. I've got two things. I'm going to tell you how good my God is, no matter what season I'm in. And I'm also going to remind you who I serve, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And whenever we do that, whether we're in the storm, whether we're on the mountaintop, whether we're in the valley, whether we're in that noontime where we don't really know what's going on, but we'll go back to that, that creates that standard, that peace, amen? Whenever the, whenever the enemy comes in, that standard is then rose. But there's a couple of thoughts I want to share with you about your dream. 
the dream that God has birthed inside of you, or a dream of warning. Now listen, we can't, I know we talk a lot about, about dreaming and, and, and moving forward here at Ray Hope. We believe that very much. We want to move forward. We know that we all have past, and, and how many of us have some shameful things in our past? Amen? Yeah, hands go up everywhere, right? No, no hand goes up, but I got a lot of these, okay? I understand that. We all got stuff in our past, and, and that stuff can hold us back if we'll choose to let it. Now, it doesn't mean we won't have consequences, that's the reason why we preach to young people. You better choose your choices carefully because decisions determine your destiny. But it doesn't mean that that stuff has to hold you back from the dream that God's birthed in front of you. It might mean you have to go through 17 rose bushes to get there instead of just, instead of just a straight path. But you don't quit doing it, and you allow God to speak into your life and to change you because this is what I know about a dream. You have to defend your dream. You have to fight you have to fight. In John 16 and 33, it says you will have tribulation. It didn't say that you have tribulation only because you're a Christian, go hide in your house. We know that as God moves in our life, we're to go out and take territory from the enemy, amen? It's Christ through us which wins those battles. And we have to move forward and do what God has called us to do. Well, in those situations, we will have tribulation. But in John chapter 16, verse 33, it also says, I have overcome the world. So he that's in us, let me tell you about my Jesus, he's overcome the world and he lives within me. I've just got to do what he's asked me to do. The apostle John goes on to write in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. He reminds us once again, who overcomes the world except for the one who what? Believes in Christ. And then I love Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. But in all of those scriptures, God is talking to us, Christ is talking to us about advancing, about moving forward, amen? That we are conquerors. He didn't say that it's going to be easy. The gates of hell will not prevail. That means I have an enemy, I have somebody who means to destroy me, but that's okay because I'm going to engage because Jesus Christ is alive in my life and I am made to be a conqueror through him, amen? But we have to keep that in mind because dreams, you have to fight for them. And you're in the middle of your dream right now, and I don't know what stage you're on. If you've won it, congratulations. God's about to birth another one in you, so get ready. If you're in that place where you're fighting for it with all you've got, congratulations, because that's what Christians do. We do not give up. We do not step back. We will not deny our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And if we do fall in that, we are quick to repent and raise our hands, and we go back to praising Him in the morning, praising Him in the evening, praising Him at noontime. Amen? Because that's what He's called us to do, because it's worth the fight. We are more than conquerors. So who do we fight? Who do we fight? I think the three easiest are we fight the enemy, we fight the world, and we fight ourselves. It's pretty clear throughout Scripture. Whenever God bursts a dream in, in front of you about warning, don't do that. There's some things coming ahead. Be ready. And it's not always that we're engaged in something we don't need to. Maybe God is calling us to fast through a, a dream. You've got some stuff that's fixing to come your way, and you need to prepare yourself. God does that. He's a good God. And then we can fight ourselves and say, oh, that wasn't what I thought it was. Or, or pride begins to well up and say, well, I think I can beat it on my own. Anybody ever thought you could beat something on your own? Yeah, got a lot more head nods. No, don't raise your hands. I'll raise my, both of them, okay? Yeah, you think you can beat it, but it, you can't. 
Then you have the enemy we know goes and, and, can, and, and, and his whole job is destroy us. And we also know we have the opposing forces of the world that want to that put us in our place, so to speak. And the only problem with that is I've already found, I don't need to be put in my place. I've already found my place. It's in Jesus Christ because he promised me if I abide in him, he abides in me. And for, for us, right, as Christians, that's what we do. But we have the enemy and we have the world and we have ourselves. And we can be our own worst enemy. We can be our own worst critic. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking at ourselves and saying, okay, Matt, you can get stronger in this area. Okay, so-and-so, you can begin to do this better or do that better. That's all wonderful. But if you're looking at yourself and speaking to you internally and saying you're never going to get there, the problem is you sound like your enemy. That's the reason why it's hard to defeat your enemy. As Christ has birthed something new in us and birthed our dream, we are not to sound like our enemy. We are like to, we are like to sound like God. Amen? But we fight ourselves, we fight the world, and we fight our enemy. But that's okay. We can still win the war. We can still win the dream that God has placed in our heart. There's some, there's some weapons of defense that we get to have. As we fight through this stuff, now, uh, we know that for our weapons are not, uh, uh, are, excuse me, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not flesh, but we know they're spiritual. So very, very common scripture. But before Paul writes that in chapter 10 of, of 2 Corinthians, he writes something very, very interesting in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. At the very beginning part of chapter 6, he explains as he's talking to the Corinthians this. He said, listen, it's the way that we commend ourselves. It's the way that we prove that we're Christians. That we go through things. We go through hard times and sleepless nights and tribulations and calamities and death. Beatings, among other things. And, and he's laying this out in chapter 6. And he said, these are the things that we're going to go through. God has birthed this dream inside of you. God has given you a warning dream. Listen, it, it, you have to fight for it. We have to keep it. We have to realize that this dream, I have to defend what he's given me. Paul goes on and he says this, as we walk through these, well, what are these? Well, these are calamities, death, beatings, tribulations, sleepless nights. Have any of you guys been through some sleepless nights, kind of worried about some stuff in your life? Been up praying? Absolutely. Congratulations, you're a Christian. That means you care more than just about yourself. That, that's, that's a very powerful thing. It's not a lack of doubt or anything like that. It's saying, God, you've placed this in my life, and it's very, very important. But he says, as you walk through these, but then he goes, we are successful by. In, in verse 5 of chapter 6, he says, we are successful by. Look at, look at with me here, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. He gives us some, some, some weapons to use in our current situation. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, the power of God, and the weapons of the righteous, for the right hand and for the left hand. I love how, once again, Paul doesn't pull any punches. Listen, there are going to be some things that we walk through, even in the midst of our dream, even in the midst of what he's birthed. If you're an entrepreneur, then you understand that sometimes all the numbers doesn't line up. You're pouring into somebody, you're hoping to build up another part of the business, and then they might leave, and you're thinking, God, what is going on? I thought I heard from you. I thought this or thought that. If you're in a situation where you're in college, and you know that God is trying to prepare you for, for the rest of your life, or prepare you for whatever profession you're going in, 
and you're saying, God, I thought I was going to do this major. I thought you'd talk to me about this, but all of a sudden I feel this pull. I feel this way. What do I do? Or maybe I've slipped up and I've messed up. Then we go back to the weapons that God has given us. We go back to this purity, this knowledge, this patience, kindness, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that really they can be summed up in verse 7. By truthful speech, by the power of God, and the weapons of the righteous. See, this is how we win in our dreams that God's given us. This is how we heed to the dreams that God has given us. Whenever he warns you about something and you don't feel like heeding to that. I have been there before. He speaks something in our spirit. Now, we've got to realize that dreams don't always happen the same way. way. Sometimes they are simply glimpses. Sometimes there's, there's, there's something inside of us that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about, about where we should be or what we should be doing or what he has prepared for us. It's not necessarily something like, a, like it plays up on the projector on a wall in our brain all the time. Sometimes God speaks a word to us and then we begin to run with that word and begin to understand what God is trying to do. But all hell is unleashed because we have drawn yet another line in our Christian walk that I'm not nearly a Sunday morning Christian but I am walking forward and trying to possess what God has promised me that I could possess. Amen? But how do we do that? we got to go back to our weapons of defense, purity, knowledge, and patience. Truthfulness of speech. Now, if we think about truthfulness of speech, I go back and think about by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How, how many times when we're in the midst of something because we're not honest about where we're at, where we're at We're not honest about where we're feeling or what we're feeling that God cannot help us. Why can God not help me when I'm not being honest? Because God doesn't work in the dark. He is the light, so everywhere he's at, the light is at. And truth is light. So whenever I don't have truthful speech, whether I'm trying to build a business and I'm trying to tear down somebody else to build that business, come on now. Being dishonest on some books or something like that. Trying to get through university and I'm cheating the whole way. Trying to fix my marriage yet I'm living with somebody else. God cannot help you in that. Because God doesn't work in the dark. He works only in the light. And truthful speech is coming to God and saying, this is who I am and this is where I'm at. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. My testimony is that Jesus Christ is alive and real in our life. Amen? And what he says goes. So as he speaks to me and reveals things to me, that's what I'm going to do. And no, it's not going to be easy. Dreams are not easy because God has birthed this in us and it's going to stretch us, amen? It's going to take us to places that we've never been. It's going to take us on waters that we never navigated, but that's okay because Christ wants to prove his sovereignty in our life. And that's exciting because that shows that he trusts us. So whenever we get to that place where we say, God, this is what's going on. This is where I am. This is what I need. And I'm not going to walk in... In speech that does not honor you, I will walk in truthful speech. I will walk in speech that honors you. And then we go on and we see the power of God. And the power of God we know is accessed through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Luke 24 and 49, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I get this question so often, Matt, how do you walk in the power of God? You're open to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in your life. 
You're open to the Spirit of God, how the Spirit of God wants to move and change and reveal things. I will clothe you with power from on high. God doesn't want power just to be something that we use whenever it's convenient. But I'm going to clothe myself in it. I'm going to walk in the power of God, not only to change the situations and the circumstances that he may be pulling me through, but I change myself as I walk through those sometimes. That I will be morally sound in a morally corrupt world. I do have the power to do that because it was through Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. But we have the power of God in our life as a weapon. We have to lean into it. But we know that comes with responsibility. The power of God, what it's not, is a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not, I'm going to push this button and doors are going to open and things are always going to happen. Sometimes the power of God resonates on our life as we walk through the tribulation, which is not fun to say and not fun to live, amen? But that's when that power of God is really at its truest sense and people can see it, that, that our speech is holding true, that our demeanor is holding true, that our attitude is holding true because we're leaning into the power of God because where I am weak, he is strong. Then Paul continues to write, and I love it, the weapons of the righteous. The weapons of the righteous. Romans 13 and 12 gives us a glimpse of this. It says, cast, out, cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And we know that has everything to do with Ephesians chapter 6, where we put on the whole armor of God. And as you read the whole armor of God, you find out what's in verse 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6. Purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, genuine love. That's all has to do with the armor of God. And I love it because it's so practical. See, practical righteousness provides protection. Practical righteousness provides protection. We can get too spiritual. Now, we can't get too holy as long as we don't get legalistic. We want to be like Christ, that's great. But we can get too spiritual sometimes. God didn't give a dream to us to complicate our life. Matter of fact, God will clarify things if we will ask him to clarify things. If we will ask him to show us things, but we've got to be willing to receive the answer that he's going to give us. And, and the tools of the righteous, or the weapons of the righteous, is that knowledge. Not, not what I think is, but God, you tell me what is. God, God, I know that I think I understand where I need patience. Now be careful. How many of you guys have ever prayed for patience? I did that one time in my life, and it was a really not a good decision. I, of all things, I'm sitting with my high school counselor. I'm going through some physical things in high school and some different stuff. And he looks at me, and he calls me out. And he's a good Christian guy, Joe Chapman. I love the dude. He calls me out. He looks at me. He goes, uh, he goes you've been praying for patience, haven't you? I'm like, I did the other day. He goes, be careful when you do that, man. <laughs> I learned as a high school student, be careful about patience. But nonetheless, it's a weapon that we use in kindness and, and genuine love. And the one that I would add to this is simply consistency. Consistency is a weapon that God has given us. That power that he pours into us so that we can continue to do what he called us to do. A great line and. Pastor Mike shared, with him, shared this with me a while back in Mark chapter 14, verse 8. Of course, it's the wonderful story of the woman going in to honor Jesus Christ. And it, and it says this simple thing. She did what she could. Consistency is a powerful tool for the Christian. 
Because it doesn't always mean that I know what I'm doing. It doesn't always mean that I understand what I'm doing. But what I will do is be consistent at it. I will be consistent in coming to the house of the Lord and raising my hands and honoring him. I will be consistent in giving. I will be consistent in volunteering. I will be consistent in prayer, consistent in reading. Does that mean I bat 100%? No, but it will be as if I have a custom. And consistency is such a powerful tool for the Christian. She did what she could. She poured perfume on the body beforehand to prepare for my burial. She did what she could, and in the process of doing what she did, she got caught up honoring Jesus Christ. And whenever we honor Jesus Christ, we open up more doors than we know for him to be able to guide us and direct us and pour blessings in. But when do we do that? In the morning, in the evening, in the noontime? What do we declare? That he's almighty, that he's sovereign, that he's good? Even when the weeping happens, he's still good. Even when I don't feel like I have the peace that I think I deserve, he's still good. Although I don't have understanding that I think I deserve, he's still good. And not only will I say that he's still good, but I will raise my hands and praise him as if he is good. And how do I do that? Practical ways, purity, love. I'm telling you, one of the best weapons that we can have as Christians is begin to do kind stuff for other people in the midst of our trials. Whenever we begin to raise up a shout and a prayer for somebody else and begin to lift up our brother or sister, although the storm that we're going through, although we feel like, God, my dream is not coming into fruition, but you know what I'm going to do, God, because I believe you're good? I'm going to pray for this other person's dream. I'm going to pray that your mighty power moves in their life, that doors will open and amazing things will happen to them. Why? Because I want to use the tools of the righteous. I'm going to be kind and loving. And finally, the last thing here as we close the book is develop the dream. You have to develop the dream. It's not just enough to defend it. Listen, I'm not going to argue with Satan every day, all day. He's the accuser of the brethren that stands before the Lord day and night. I'm not going to get caught up in that. What I am going to get caught up in is fighting for my dream and defending it, and then I'm going to go out and develop it. I'm going to walk in it. Tonight we get to celebrate at the park. I was thinking about this. We have the Easter's and Christ-like, and we're so excited to have them tonight at the park. We're going to have cotton candy and hot dogs and kitty land and, and all kinds of wonderful stuff. But you know how it started? It started as a dream. It started with some people saying, I wonder how we can influence and bring something positive to our community. I wonder how we can spread the name of Jesus Christ even more so than we're already doing. And then they begin to fight for that dream, and then they begin to develop that dream. We need cotton candy machines, which we won't have tonight because they're out of cotton candy supplies. Sorry, just ruined that. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Glad I didn't tell that in kids' hall. Everybody's been like, they probably booed me out of there, man. <laughs> But you have all these things, and, and you think about, does, does a cotton candy machine matter? Does a hot dog grill matter? Depends on what you're using it for. For Heinz, he was over a cooker with his grandmother and turned it into a billion-dollar empire. So don't tell me a hot dog can't change people's lives. Can a mic really change the world? There's been a whole lot of great influential speakers and singers that grabbed a mic and changed many things. We were encouraged this morning, amen? Doesn't matter how small it seems, you've got to develop that dream. 
you got to walk that dream out. you got to be willing to say, God, I'm going to war for it, I'm going to fight for it, but God, I'm going to develop it. Why do we want to develop it? Because we realize that a dream never starts in its fullest position. It always starts with something little. And, and we know that dreams are built and they're walked through. See, it's the journey. We get so caught up in the destination sometimes, don't we? But it's the journey. It's the journey where we see God's goodness on our life. Where we see the door open again and again and again. It's where we receive that forgiveness. It's where we hear the Spirit of God woo unto us and, and draw us near to Him. It's not the destination, it's the journey. Now we want to arrive somewhere and we want to fulfill that dream that God has placed on our heart. But God, I'm just going to get caught up in my relationship with you. And then if I'll do that, I'll hear from you. And as you speak things into my heart, I know that I can walk forward. And as you sat there this morning, you may feel like, man, I just I lost my dream. You know, God warned me about something. And I didn't do it, and I did it, and I made this huge blunder, and now I'm here. That's okay. Because God's not done dreaming. And we shouldn't be done dreaming. He has these things in our life. And I don't know your dream. I know that I have some dreams. I know that I've had dreams. Some of them didn't turn out like I thought they were going to turn out. And I had to push that pride and that stuff to the side and say, God, it was me that messed up because you're perfect. I'm not. So I don't know what your dream is. Could be your marriage. Could be another relationship. Could be a failed business. Could be the business that you're currently in that feels like it's failing. I know for many parents in today's culture, they look at their children and they see them struggling and they feel internally that they've was a, they were a bad parent. They, they didn't do this right or that right or, or God, did I fail miserably? You're about to give up on your dream, but listen, you're never not a parent until you pass away. You can still live out the dream and do what God's called you to do. Would you stand with me all across the building? Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.